Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny Bean. Today, I welcome Kate Foster, author who writes children's books about friends, family, and dogs. Originally from the southeast of England, she now lives on the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia with her family and rescue dogs. She loves eating cake and reading books. I mean, who doesn't? Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Yes, cake and books. That's pretty much my life. <laughs> What's the uh, choice of cake? Oh, do you know any cake, really? Any cake. But I wow. am a very classic birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Just give me a good old-fashioned vanilla sponge, loads of icing. Yum, yum. That's yeah, me. Yeah, that's good. I like ice cream cake. That's probably one of my favourites. Uh, I think, you know, I think that's a real Australian thing. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, I've never really heard of it since we, you know, before we moved here. And now everyone kind of has ice cream cake. So, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get an ice cream cake on my birthday, but my birthday's in February. So, you know, it's oh, hot. and You need it, yeah, mm. February. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, we are here. I don't mind talking about cake. We'll talk about cake for as long as we like, but we should probably <laughs> talk about that. your book, right? <laughs> this cute, beautiful little book called Pause. Can you give me an elevator pitch? Pause is the story of 11-year-old Alex, who's autistic, um, and next month um, he leaves primary school. So he's very nervous about high school, uh, and he just wants to make a friend. That's that's all he wants. He thinks if he has a friend, his transition to high school will be so much easier. So he comes up with a great plan, and, well, it's not that great, and it doesn't go according to uh you know what he what he put onto paper so um uh, luckily he has um a little dog friend who is working its own kind of plan in the background but it's a really important time I think I think my school life is burnt into my memory but that time of going into primary school from high school like it's a very stressful time for kids is that why you sort of chose that tipping point for a child 
Yeah, I think so. It just, um, it, it, it is, like you say, it's a huge, hugely traumatic time, you know, and I think we sort of, as parents, as adults, we kind of just sort of say, well, everyone's going through it. You know, you're not the only one, which don't, I don't think always provides the, <laughs> the comfort we think it does. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's definitely a difficult time. And I think, um, yeah, to write about that and to, to put a nice sort of sweet kind of tender spin on it was yeah what what I wanted to do Mm. and that definitely came out in the book for sure but yeah I I always think that that's a real interesting time because you're trying to work out who you are but you're trying to Mm. sort of you have to conform a bit to have friends even though you shouldn't have to you do we know what school's like and then you leave primary school being the oldest biggest kid you go in and being the littlest kid and I feel like you know in in primary school it's a bit more nurturing so it's a really interesting time and I I don't want to lose sight of that with my own mm. kids, you know, and how big a deal that is. Yeah, it is. It's huge. And you're right, you know, to suddenly be, and so little as well, like you think you're at school, you're 11 and you're at school with 18-year-olds, mm. you know, with beards and deep <laughs> broken voices and hair and it's like, whoa. And I think, yeah, it's, it's especially as a parent as well, you know, watching my little ones go off to high school for the first day and, oh gosh, they're just so tiny and their bag's nearly as big as them and you just <laughs> think, this is wrong, this is wrong. But um, Come you back know, they, home. Yeah. Oh, very. Oh, gosh. The amount of times I've driven off in tears. Like I can't. I can't do this. Um, but yeah, it's um, it is a hard time. And um, but they they do do it. I guess they they most kids get through it. You know, relatively unscathed. I think. Mm, but I love how middle grade, particularly, they you know those books explore those things. I really like that. And yours explores it, like you said, in a really gentle, sweet way. And I like that. You know, YA books. I love them too. But sometimes they can be a little bit. The issues they deal with can be a little bit um, more difficult, I guess. But mm. middle grades, they're just lately the ones that I've been reading, they've just got a really sweet, gentle edge to them. And I think, you know, I think yeah. that's what has really been missing, I think, in literature, that really nice sweetness, yeah. I think. Oh, absolutely. I find, and I've had this discussion with quite a lot of people, they feel that middle grade is almost recently has been aging up mm. a lot of middle grader books on the shelves at the moment are feel have an older feel to them an older voice as if they're trying to appeal more to the to the YA crowd uh, maybe adults as well I'm not sure um but yeah I think um, we miss the sort of the the maybe not necessarily shorter books but the the sweeter, quieter books, uh, and I especially like since we've what we've all lived through over the last couple of years. I think there is such a big hole and need for these books for something, yeah, something that just makes us smile and feel warm. And yeah, yeah. I always felt that I was an English um, teacher for seventeen years, and I always felt that. Um, the books that kids were encouraged to study later on, particularly in year eleven and twelve, were very bleak. Mm. And so I often think that we need to make sure that they have a mix of books. You know, of course, yeah. the difficult subjects are, are interesting and important to unpack, but I think there needs to be, you know, that combination or that juxtaposition of those those quiet, gentle books as well. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. My um, And I think as well, it, it not all kids, obviously, but I think it puts a lot of kids off studying English because, you know, the books that they are made to read generally are issue books, you know, we're dealing with huge um, 
you know, issues. So I think, yeah, sometimes, you know, the gentler books that still cover those issues and they still bring up those conversations, but actually, you know, encourage children to, to want to keep reading, to, to find the, the books that make them smile, and make them feel good, rather than make them go away and think hard about <laughs> life and how, you know, terrible it really is. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I think agree. a balance is good, you know, finding the joy, mm-hmm. but then, yeah, you can do some, but even when, as a reader, you know, sometimes you feel like reading something really heavy that's going to teach you something, make you think, and yeah. sometimes you just want to read something that's going to bring you joy and let you step outside your life. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, there is a, there's, pl- there's a place for both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, types of book. Now, the story pause is based on real life experience after adopting your own poodle called Claude. Can you tell us about this experience and how it inspired the book? Yes. Uh, Well, Claude is um, a, he's a cockapoo as well, or spoodle. I don't really know, like, what the pop (laughs) I don't know which one I like better. They're both cool. They are both cool. I I think I I like spoodle. Yeah, I tend to go with cockapoo <laughs> just because it makes me smile. <laughs> so, yeah, we um, we adopted um, Claude. We'd been in Australia for oh, about six months, not probably not even that long, actually. And um, I just, I love dogs so much. And I just felt that we needed, you know, a dog. So, um, yeah, I found these this lovely people who didn't want him. Well, they didn't want him anymore. They just didn't. I don't think they realised what came with having a little dog. Um, so they wanted to find him a new home and ta-da, we turned <laughs> up um, open arms. And um, from the very first day we went to actually meet him and find out if he was the right dog for us, he was all over all over my youngest son. It was like an instant attraction. They were like magnets and it was just amazing to sit back and watch this. It was almost like Claude had been briefed before we arrived. Like someone said, listen, what you've got to do. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, and from that day on, he just, um, he just loves my youngest son. It's almost like he's sort of tuned in on another level to his emotions and his feelings. And it's just, yeah, it's extraordinary. I love that. Mm, I really like that it's funny I had um a chihuahua poodle so still the poodle family but a very tiny dog and whenever I had a migraine she would just know and she would just lay with me on the bed the whole day you know and and she was quite an active dog but whenever I felt ill she'd just sit on the bed with me and I thought oh isn't that nice I think they do tune themselves into you Oh, definitely. And like, it's just, I read a lot of stories about dogs, only happy ones. I can't deal with (laughs) anything sad. Um, But yeah, some things that dogs have done um, and that they can do and things that we as humans are still discovering what dogs are capable Mm. of. I just think it's amazing. Like we, yeah, dogs without question are our best friends. They're incredible creatures. It's funny. One of my friends who is quite a, you know, a lot big reader, she always says to me, just tell me before I pick up a book if the dog's going to die because I'm not going to read it. So (laughs) I have to pre-warn her and say, don't read that one. Oh, that one's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's actually a website. Oh, um, yeah, I did go on. Um, I think it's um, does the dog die in the end or something like that. Or does the dog die dot com. Um, it obviously doesn't have all the books and movies, but yeah, you can go on there well, and just make great. Sure. <laughs> I Which will I direct do. her to that website. Make <laughs> her life it. a lot calmer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
And one of the descriptions of the book is that it's a story that demonstrates how autistic brains don't always come with the templates of human interaction and emotion that neurotypical people usually have. And it shows how many autistic people have to build these from scratch, learning through mirroring and masking and often hard emotional lessons, confusing rejection. I mean, as if being a teenager isn't difficult enough. Mm. Why was this a really important story for you to tell? And it is an important story. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was important on so many levels. Um, But in terms of just looking at the um, angle of Alex being autistic is that, you know, I think greater society, majority of neurotypical people still don't really know what autism is. You know, we still think of the very, very few examples that are in media, like, you know, even as far back as Rain Man, I think that's that's what we imagine it is. Um, and it just isn't. It's so much more than that. You know, like they say, it is a spectrum and you have every autistic person is different. They will have a combination of traits and characteristics. They're as individual as neurotypical people. Um, and so it was important for me, I think, to um, have Alex, um, to, I actually wrote the book first person present because mm-hmm. I thought it was very, very important that the reader goes through those thought processes with Alex as they come about, uh, see his reaction firsthand so that they can understand that he doesn't react or respond or think in the way a lot of other people do. Um, And so, yeah, I hope what the book does is is show that this is just one autistic person, this is just one autistic brain, uh, and that it does often overanalyze everything and it goes into um, far more detail um, than most people would, you know, give any uh, situation a thought about. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I'm hoping that, um, yeah, I've been told it's quite authentic anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of autistic people have, um, you know, um, found that they have seen themselves, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in first person present tense. It's actually one of my favourite ways to write and to read how did you find did you find that you were able to get more into the character's head do you feel much closer to them did you find any challenges in writing in this way um not at all actually with this book it was the first time I'd ever written first person present I've always before done third past so Mm -hmm. it was a complete change for me but from the outset it, it just worked um, and yeah, it really does give you that ability to access um, and put onto paper the exact thoughts as they're coming. Um, and that was, um, as I said before, really important, I think, for Alex's character. Um, and also, you know, Alex is a lot based on me as well. Um, you know, a lot of his thought processes are the way I process things and the way I overanalyze and overthink everything. So um, yeah, it was kind of me, <laughs> just me thinking as I type. So, um, you know, like how would I react in this situation? And so, um, yeah, so I think it just came very, very naturally. Mm, oh, I found that really interesting. That's a story about inclusion and friendship. And like I said before, it's gentle, it's wholesome, it's lovely to read. What have been some of the reactions from readers or early readers? Oh, I, I mean, astonishing, stunning, amazing. I, I honestly can't believe it's real that people are really reacting. I keep wanting to say, are you sure? Um, <laughs> like, are, you telling, are you telling the truth? <laughs> so I think that's just a, a, a writer's reaction. Um, but yeah, people have been really touched. Um, autistic readers have told me that they feel seen, uh, mm-hmm. that they appreciate that they're in a, they're, um, 
artistic character is in a book um, and a story that's just about life rather than just focusing on their autism and their struggles. It's just about a boy who wants a friend and he's doing as much as he can to make that happen. Um, I've had um, mothers of autistic children tell me that they um, were touched and emotional that their child was, um, you know, in a book uh, mm. and they could see it and they felt like um, their child belonged, you know, and there was a place for them in the world. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's just been amazing. I honestly, the, the reactions um, and the words people have used to describe it so far have, yeah, it's reduced me to tears a couple of times. Um, I'm a bit, bit blown away by it all at the moment still. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm following you on Twitter, as you well know. And, you know, one of your posts, um, paraphrasing here, but said that you didn't at some point during the writing process, you didn't think that anyone was going to like or read your book and you nearly gave it away so many times. How do you get past that self-doubt, that little voice in your head that keeps saying, you know, it's not good enough, I'm not good enough? Oh, lots of things, really. Um, friends, writing friends um, who have stuck with me for a long time, um, who have read pause at the very, you know, beginning and, said yeah wow you know we're not I'm not autistic but this is just this touched me this is everything so that that you know having writing friends keeping you going um, but I think in this case particularly was because this story was based so much on real life um, and real experiences and real autistic people um, and yeah I, I want my son is autistic as well and I wanted him to be able to see himself in a book too not just myself uh, and the other people within the community. Um, so that was a real push that really kept me going through this one. And the doubts are still there. They don't go away. Like even now the book has been out nearly a week. I'm still kind of um, thinking to myself, no one's buying it. People are dismissing it because, you know, it's got an autistic character. Um, that That's how my brain, you know, why do people want to read about autistic characters? But, you know, I, 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 they need to. I think it's really important. And this book in particular, obviously, I'm a bit biased, um, <laughs> but I think it's it's the right kind of book for them to read um, because it's, like I said before, not just focused on autism. It is just a, an autistic character in a regular real life situation. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've all been through those sort of traumatic or scary experiences at school or even just, you know, transition it doesn't have to be school, you know, big transitions. And also, you know, we all want a friend, you know, it doesn't matter if we're perceived as popular or, you know, not so popular or somewhere in between. We all just want to find our people. We want to be understood. Yeah. We don't want to feel awkward all the time. And, you know, we just want to find that real social bond. I mean, that we're, we're social creatures you know so yeah. I think that resonates with people oh absolutely and that's um that's a myth I think about autistic people is that they um you know they don't want uh, you know friends they don't want to be out in in society and you know I, don't, I think obviously I'm not speaking for the entire autistic community because as I say it's a huge spectrum but there are there's a huge group of people um you know myself my son and lots of others who you know do want to be out there and you know being accepted and mm. being um feeling comfortable just doing regular things like everybody else um so yeah we do we do um need other people I think to see us um, and understand us a little bit more and know that it's not as straightforward as um, you know it is for them to make friends you know mm -hmm. we will not find it as simple um, and I think the other sad thing is a lot of autistic people 
do end up befriending probably the wrong people mm-hmm. who sort of do take advantage you know we are quite naive again I'm not speaking for everybody I wouldn't dream of doing that but I think a lot of autistic people are quite vulnerable quite naive and so they do get taken advantage of which is which is sad um so yeah Mm. Well, it's important for everyone to see themselves in literature. And I think, you know, this is the time when people are writing, you know, with such diverse characters and it's such an important time because I know when I was growing up, you know, although, you know, I was born in Australia, et cetera, I, I never found that kind of person. I never found myself in stories, you know, with, mm. with a, a father from a different culture. My mum was Australian. I never found myself. So yeah. I think it's really important for kids to find themselves in stories and films and all those things. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really important as well for children to read about kids yeah. who have different backgrounds as well. You know, I did when I was growing up. I remember, you know, even just books set in different countries. I loved it. I loved, mm. you know, seeing these characters in, in different worlds and learning a little bit through their viewpoint, um, you know, it was I think it's really important yeah I agree that makes life richer too you don't just want to live your own experience over and over again I think (laughs) no no I certainly don't I I really like the honesty and vulnerability of your tweets actually I mean I've been trying to practice vulnerability myself and it's not easy but I think it's important especially if you have you know a public platform or you have a book or something to Mm. show that you know vulnerability is okay because I talk about you know all sorts of things on the podcast because they just seem to come out with you know literature (laughs) but I think that's important was that um, a decision you made or is that you just you being you I think it's just me being me yeah I don't think I've ever used social media with a with a plan um I think it's just um I've always gone on Twitter is my main platform that I use I've always gone on there to um I guess just mix meet people um you know but try and be positive like mm. particularly recently Twitter has become a very very negative place and some days I just can't simply be on there but there are times I think no you know what I'm going to break it I'm going to be a bit more positive um I'm going to talk openly about something you know I'm going to invite people to to chat uh, and it's connected me with so many yeah. lovely people people Absolutely. who just want to chat you know mm-hmm. some days they just want to say oh wow you know I actually really appreciate you talking about something that no one else talks about so um yeah I, I honestly don't really put much thought <laughs> oh god that sounds terrible <laughs> do you I think about that? it because you know I was saying this before in 2020 we're all behind our zoom screens and our curated instagram and then you meet people and you think oh like you know I hope I'm not this giant disappointment because <laughs> everyone's seen yep my beautiful insta pictures you know so I think a bit of authenticity and and that you know vulnerability I think that's really important to keep us human particularly in 2020 when we were just behind our screens yeah. because social media is such a part of our lives I think it's important to show that real self every now and then you can have oh. your beautiful pictures you know I do yeah. <laughs> of my books but yeah. um I think it's good to also go hey I'm a real person behind here and you know oh, some definitely. days are some days don't look like my instagram <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, most days, most, yeah, most, days, ugly, like, most days. That's right. <laughs> like I've done a few of these zooms, and I've always had my bookshelves behind me, like lovely colour, yeah, yeah. beautiful rainbow bookshelves. And I just, I just want to say, if I panned <laughs> around the rest of this room, people would be like, "Oh, <laughs> now we see the real you." Well, that's so what I, I was saying before, wasn't I? Sometimes my daughter sleeps under my desk when yes, I'm podcasting. I so. love that. I think that's. Just pan down a little bit. Is it a little person asleep? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so I, I kind of think that my Twitter is like, you know, not just seeing beautiful bookshelves, it's seeing yep. the big holes, the paperwork, the laundry, you know, the crumbs. Yep. 
is life, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm, I'm, we all live messy lives and, you know, they're messy and they're hard, but they're the most interesting ones, I think. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm a huge disappointment when people, you know, <laughs> actually meet me because I'm usually I'm the sure one you're like, not. But it's just something that in my head all of 2020. I was like, I need to stop this. Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all share a bit of that. (laughs) Okay, I have this question for all the guests that come on and I want to ask you, why do you write? Um, Lots of reasons. For one, I just, I, I love it. I think I've always done it. So I don't think I have ever known a time to not be writing. So it's kind of just a part of me um so like some people love to run some people you know love to knit uh for me it's just writing and whether that's books um or blog posts or just anything really um and also because um you know I I sometimes struggle to talk to people like uh, um I'm, I know like when people listen to this podcast they're like gosh she's just rambling um and I know I do Not that oh really good <laughs> in my own head all I can hear is just me going <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say next? So yeah, um, yeah, terrible. Um, that's the way my brain works. But um, yeah, so I think sometimes I write because um, it's a way of me being able to control, you know, what um, m- I guess streamline my thoughts sometimes and my feelings and get mm. some of my emotions, which are all kind of intertwined, um, and get them out onto the page. Mm. So yeah, I guess it's like um, cleaning. Yeah, to seek clarity. I like that. And people write for all sorts of reasons. And that's why I ask, you know, they're all very similar, but then they're all very different, you know, so it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this book, Kate, it was, it was a joy. It was a lovely, wholesome, gentle, beautiful read. Mm. Who doesn't like dogs though? Who doesn't like dogs and cake? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to judge anyone, but yeah, (laughs) seriously, who doesn't like dogs? (laughs) Even from a distance. That's right. (laughs) But thank you so much. It's been such a joy to chat to you. And I think we've covered so much in this little snippet of time we've had together. Yeah, I think so. I enjoyed it. And I really look forward to seeing uh, more and more of you on Twitter. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for reading the book. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.